Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I love magic stuff. Yeah. Now you see me. I love those films. Yeah. They're trash, but I love them. No, me too. I think, I think like, uh, I saw some tweet that was like, we've heard, you've heard of horse girls. Have you heard of Houdini boys? Um, and I think I might've been a Houdini boy growing up. Right. Hey, that is a really good point. Whoever made that, well done. <laughs> Welcome to Jim and Tommy's Musical Theater Happy Hour. I'm Tommy. <laughs> and uh, I'm Jimmy. This is the only musical theater podcast with extra dry, dirty vodka martinis. And Andrew Barth Feldman's portrayal of Linguini. <laughs> we have officially scraped the bottom of the barrel. Here we take apart your favorite shows, muddle them together with a shot of buffoonery, and pour you a refreshing glass of musical theater conversation. Jimmy, what are you drinking today? Well, Tommy, yeah, we have done these three in a row yeah, because we have. I've always been lumped with this nonsense. <laughs> Maybe that's why I haven't changed it. <laughs> um, okay, I am drinking coffee that I made from a percolator. Ooh, um, that's good. The, the water collects in a little pot below <laughs> and it um, bubbles up and then uh, there's coffee. I had to clean it out from the day before. I was just going to say more wine. Oh, also good. <laughs> We have officially picked the two liquid references in this <laughs> this musical. Why are we talking about wine and coffee, Jimmy? Well, um, it could be lots of musicals, but there's one in particular really known for its wine and coffee. <laughs> um, and that is um, one I will tell you in the form of a quiz question. I realise that sentence wouldn't have worked otherwise. Hey, if the subject of this musical played basketball for the NBA, which he was so close to doing. Little known fact. Little known fact. Um, he'd be in the top five for basketball players with the largest hands. What show? Uh, Methinks this is Preludes. Describe your day. Describe my day. My day. My day began with waking, I suppose. I don't remember it clearly the moment I woke up. My memory is vague. I know I lay in bed, staring at Natalia in the beginning sunlight. And then I remember waking again and she was gone. She snuck out. She sometimes does that, lets me sleep. And that was the first hour. 
And then I lay there for an hour doing nothing, stretching my muscles, staring at the ceiling, staring at the day. And that was the second hour. Then I went to the kitchen. We have a Bialetti. It's a, it's a percolator, I guess. It makes espresso. The water is stored in a little tank below, and it boils, and it goes up through the coffee grounds, and above, then there is coffee. I had to clean it out from the day before. The coffee uh, collects into a little patty, which I threw out. I rinsed it all with warm water. I filled it with cold water. I placed the coffee in and patted it down very tenderly and delicately so the coffee wouldn't spill over. <laughs> and I spent so much time on this, on being careful and clean. And I think I put on music, maybe a Beethoven record. Or Gordon Lightfoot! First it was Gordon Lightfoot. My mother used to listen to him. I know he's not cool, but he brings back a fond feeling. And I waited for the coffee, and I made an egg in a cast iron pan. And I grated cheese over it with a new cheese grater. Salt, pepper, a piece of toast, butter. And that was the third hour. And then I lay down in bed again. And that was the fourth hour. And then I lay down in bed again. And that was the fifth hour. So we're gonna get into it. I know. Preludes. Preludes. Prelude. I mean, I say prelude. I will be nothing if not inconsistent. Okay, great. I think it probably is prelude. I think unprompted, I might actually say preludes, um, which I don't I like don't that do that's that. what I would say. Um, Disgusting. It sounds wrong, but I think that's, <laughs> yeah. that's what I would say if I wasn't thinking about it. Right. I don't yeah, think I it's think correct, I, but... I think prelude, pre, prelude, like quelude. Yeah, prelude. Prelude. It's probably not. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It's this show. Um, and it has music, book, and lyrics once again. Can he do nothing else? Who cares? It's Dave Malloy. It's Dave Malloy. I was listening to this, and my boyfriend came home from work, and, and knowing nothing about it, he said, Is this Dave Malloy? Oh! <laughs> well, he's got a signature, ladies and gents. Yep. Um, it premiered at the Lincoln Center in 2015 and then had its uh, UK premiere in the Southwark. <laughs> Sorry, I just made you do that because I shouldn't in see what you're doing. Southwark. The Southwark. Southwark? Wow. Why do they so, spell it like that? Do you know what's so weird? There's a YouTube channel that I just started watching today that have a great video. I'll stick it in the show notes for you. Why not? <laughs> I think they're called the Map Guys. Okay. Or like the Map Dudes or something like that. Two British guys. Um, and they've just released a viral video quite recently. Um that's like uh, how to pronounce weird British names. So if you see W-A-R-K, that is always Irk. Irk. You don't pronounce Southern. that W and it's Irk. So um, like another one would be, have you ever seen um, uh, B-U-L-W-A-R-K? I don't think so. I probably it's have. It's like a, a term. I think maybe it's a part of a castle. Okay. I don't really know. And it's Bullark. Bullark. Um, okay. Yeah. So Southwark. Did you did you hear me halfway through that word knowing that I was saying it wrong? <laughs> yes, I did, and it was cute. It was really cute. Um, it's always a fun experience when you don't know words. Um, anyway, and that's that. That's yeah. all there is. There isn't any more. Um, this isn't, you know, 
This isn't Comet. That's not hugely produced. It wasn't hugely popular. It is the same Comet crew. Pretty much everyone uh, uh, behind the scenes, at least, who worked on Comet. I think, like, pretty much, like, right down to costumes with Paloma Young. Like, yeah. it's the whole gang are back together. Um, and I think, you know, that has implications that yeah, we'll talk about it, it, later, it, I think. It shows. Um, um, but hey, what's the show about, Jimmy? <laughs> Well, um, the the kind of tagline is that it's a musical fantasia set in the mind of Sergei Rachmaninoff, or set in the hypnotized mind of Sergei Rachmaninoff. Yes. Um, and uh, basically, in uh, the composer Sergei Rachmaninoff's life, he after he performed his first concerto, mm-hmm. or had his first concerto performed, I should say, um, he uh, it was it was quite poorly received by some critics, and that threw him into a bout of uh, depression because he also felt that it wasn't good and yeah. um, this is the first time he'd ever heard of probably he said this isn't good and therefore he didn't write anything for the next i think it was the next four it's years like three or four years yeah uh, yeah um and this musical and classic dave malloy style has been flipped on its head anachronistically th- thrown together um and it kind of takes you through his therapy mm-hmm. um with therapist nikolai dal um and his relationship with his um soon-to-be wife natalia uh and it explores how he gets over this creative block yes um while also kind of walking you through that history that we just told you as well like it is very non-linearly presented because it exists in his hypnotized it's in his mind exactly exactly um yeah i think that's that's a decent i i like i like um summaries that aren't story driven I like abstract. <laughs> I can do them. You do really good at the straight ones. Give me some nebulous ideas and I will summary of that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I want to start this episode by just talking about it. Yeah. All right. Hop on. Let's go. Let's. <laughs> if people, this is their first episode, they'll have no idea what you're talking about. Hey, that's, you got to find the, the Segway Easter eggs. That's it. There's lots of them. Um, <laughs> when improvs don't work <laughs> even in winter when the trees are frozen and bare impossibly they come lilacs at my door how can I live up to this Sometimes I'm a good man, and sometimes I am not. Um, so, I'm going to ask you straight off the bat. Yeah. What did you think? I particularly enjoyed it. I am not... So, I had listened to Preludes um, maybe once or twice four years ago or whenever it came out. Back it, when we had our, our Dave Malloy renaissance. <laughs> exactly. Um, and didn't didn't do, you know, it, like listened to it once or twice, didn't think about it much, certainly didn't look mm-hmm. up plot. Um, mm-hmm. And so this was my like first time really getting into it. Um, it was, I, I enjoyed the process of listening to it. It is music that I like. It's in that Dave Malloy style that I enjoy. It mm-hmm. has an inscrutable plot in the way that a lot of Dave's stuff sort of does. Um, this one was a little more impenetrable 
I found. Yeah. Even more from so the cast, from the cast recording. From the cast definitely. recording. Like, even yeah. more so than Ghost Quartet was, which yeah. is baffling to me because Ghost Quartet is so amorphous. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what, what was tough with me about this one is there is still, there's some linearity to it. Um, it, it is not dealing with such wildly abstract thought. Uh-huh. Um, you there's know, still it, a, a distinct character arc, if nothing else. Exactly, you know? and you're you're you know you're literally trying to get inside of Rachmaninoff's head. Um, I don't know if the cast recording does the best job of telling you the story, and I don't know how I feel about that. Um, mm-hmm. Like I I had uh, uh, had the libretto alongside of me. Um, which there's, you know, huge chunks missing from the cast recording um, that don't, that make it difficult to follow. And I don't know, like this, it's also a philosophical question of like, should a cast recording tell you the whole story or just be a pleasant listening experience or be a representation of the show itself? Yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. I found myself questioning that as I was listening Uh to this. Yeah. We've talked about that before. I think in, in it's, it's tricky because when, there is like dialogue work in the cast recording. Usually, it's great, right? And usually, it's it, it becomes like your favorite cast recording because it's the most complete. Yeah. Um, but then I can understand from an artist's perspective yeah. of this doesn't this isn't I'm not writing audiobook dialogue right. here. Right. Like, there's nuance to it. Yeah. There's pauses that need to be made and there's you need to see eye contact etc yeah um there's lots that goes into it so i can understand from an artistic point of view why you wouldn't yeah put something on what i will say for preludes is i think it could have done with a little bit more yeah like just some setups just just some more setups because when you know what's going on in some of these things they hit harder um, yeah, you know, and even some of the stuff, like some of the stuff that hit me reading through uh, the the libretto. So, if you've only ever listened to this and not read through, it might come as a surprise to you that there are two Rachmaninoff characters, um, yeah. which is not really eludicated in the cast recording at all. One uh, uh, who is Rock, um, and the other who is Rachmaninoff. Rachmaninoff yeah. is always seated at the piano, or generally so. And rock yeah. is the person you hear singing and acting for the most part, save for a couple uh, key moments. Um, but so then that, you know, that bifurcation becomes a huge plot point in the show itself mm-hmm. because it allows mm-hmm. him to argue with himself and like say, you know, stop playing the prelude so many times throughout. And you, mm-hmm. you miss that whole side of the story, um, which, you know, I think honestly diminishes it, diminishes the but, listening experience. But then there's also something interesting about that because in the cast recording, yeah. it unifies both sides of his mind and it makes him one person. That's true. That's fair. And there's something to that as well, because at the end of the day, yes, he is bifurcated. And yes, there are these, you know, two opposing sides of him that are constantly in battle to try and, you know, get through to the other side. Right. Um, but if you're just listening to the cast recording, you don't get that and you just kind of focus on the struggling artist because that's the story that's being told sure. on the cast recording specifically. Yeah. Um, and I think there's something artistic and yeah. something kind of interesting about that. Um, 
And that's quite cool because that's giving a whole other dimension to this piece that you've created. Right. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about the cast recording being a separate entity from the musical, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I think part of me likes it because it's because for so long it has been my way in. Mm. I like it being more of a representation of the actual story. And mm. and in going into the libretto, I, would, I I wished I knew some of those things on my first listen through, right? Like some of that got spoiled. Yeah. Um, okay. You know, which I don't. You know, I don't know. I don't mean it as a as an intentional knock, but it is where my brain was at in listening to it. Um, yeah. You know, don't get me wrong. Like I cried during Natalia the first time. Um, right. Like there, this is a hard, hard hitting show for artsy fartsy folk. Yeah. Um, like I, I wrote down because I had to go listen to the line to understand it again. Um, what did she say? I don't want to think everything I know that you are terrified. I think. Yes. Is a delightful turn of phrase. Yeah. Um, you know, under the whole like snap the fuck out of it uh, yeah. uh, portion of that song, yeah. and uh, who, ooh, it hits, it hits hard. I, I think that song is a masterpiece. Yes. That's. So we talk about this quite a lot in various shows that we've done. It is one of my favorite musical theater songs. Sure. Um, like a lot of people put finishing the hat up there because they're the struggling creative. Yeah. But I put Natalia up there because it plays both sides of the coin. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't romanticize yeah. the struggling artist. And it's like, oh, his work is so right. beautiful. Yeah. Because there are impacts to it. And, yeah. you know, I, I we'll talk about the comparison with Sunday in a little bit, but um, you know, you see Dot in Sunday, right. but also George is so much at the forefront that you see a lot of George. Whereas in this, Natalia gets to, you know, sing the song for Dot, it feels right. like. Do you know what I mean? She gets right. to have that moment um and and say that you're struggling, yes. I need to then be the stoic one. Right. And the pillar, yeah. why that's not fair because I'm also struggling. Yeah. Well, and also to to pitch that, to very accurately <coughs> pitch Rachmaninoff's struggle, and we'll talk plenty more about the artist, I'm sure, but, like, as this, you know, she has these lines, uh, you know, why don't you go screaming on a cliffside or racing in a thunderstorm, do drugs in the desert? Like, why don't you go do the artist-writer's block bullshit stuff instead of just moping around in front of your percolator all day? Yep. Um, and, like, that... You know, we've talked before about the false romantification of, um, uh, you know, the the battered artist and the the tragic artist, um, and this, you know, the show holds no punches in that point. It really doesn't. It's so it's so bloody honest. It's yeah. just such an honest fucking song, um, and it's really really simply and well presented i've actually performed this and it's yeah. an incredible song to perform i believe um, it. because it, you know it's it's non-gendered yeah it's it it's just it is so simple it has a really nice natural build it doesn't go crazy in terms of like vocals yeah it's just a, it's a story song yeah um and it is like oh, musical theater bloody perfection i i just love it i think it's so special and i think yeah it is what makes this musical very special to me. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think this is what makes it an important piece because it deals with this. It deals right. with this very real issue right. of, you know, 
artistic depression and the effects that that has yep yep do you feel like because i've often you know we've we've been entrenched in dave malloy work for a while now Mm. um and like as you said natalia is much more of a musical theater song um Mm -hmm. a lot of the songs in this are not um Mm. which is very dave malloy right Um, yeah for sure and and i say that knowing full well a ton of caveats it is musical theater because it is musical theater but Uh, precisely yeah yeah yeah. but natalia is more of a typical right you know musical comedy right exactly Uh um and dave does this and it's it's cool i think it complements itself like that we can go from you know something like natalia to something like loop which is totally nuts or even ho ho um which is still kind of bonkers still having some musical theater set in it but it does whenever i hear these songs or even like you know um uh some of natasha's songs in great comet like it does make me wonder what dave malloy's shrek the musical would be like right or what you know what his like okay you gotta sit inside this musical theater box what do you do with it sort of thing would be i think they're better for each other having i think they are but he's also he's the man that wrote dust and ashes and he's the man that wrote no one else like yeah and he's the man that wrote sonia alone like he's a good musical theater writer yeah regardless of the mania regardless of the loops of the world right he can nail a musical theater story song yeah um in a very simple and exciting way yeah um and i think that's that's what we see here. You see both sides of those coins. Yeah. I would say even better than like be his he takes us on a much nicer roller coaster of these things than even a lot of like Sondheim stuff does. Um, where like Sondheim is is great and can be very like He's the whole right. show will be very cerebral. Um and you know, if, for that kind of yeah. one note esque. Um Whereas to bounce back and forth in Dave Malloy's mind um, and Rachel Chavkin and everyone else who worked on the show, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you, you know, there are moments to breathe and you know, there are moments where you're going to be a little overwhelmed by it all. Um, right. You know, this is a wild soundtrack, soundtrack cast album to listen to with headphones on. Um, there's a ton of like subtle, you know, stuff. I was going to say stupid, clever and tricky and frustrating, like heartbeat stuff in the background or subtle yeah. backbeat that you have to, you like pause and you're like, am I hearing the blood rushing inside of my head or is that right, right, right. on the album? Um, and it's on the album. Um, For sure. But it does, you know, it takes you on a, a real mental ride, this one. Yeah. And I think that's it. It's like, that again, that's uh, to Dave Malloy's credit, you know, as a contemporary musical theatre writer and really sitting, I would say, at the forefront and not looking back yeah. at all, just strictly looking forward from his from Brooklyn, yeah. you know what I mean? Um, and letting all that influence him. Uh, his ability to just use sound yeah. is really incredible, I think, and is still something that is quite unique. Oh, like, yeah. it, it's still not something we're seeing very much replicated certainly not to the, the same high artistic way that he uses it right because um, the one that i always go back to and I, I tell a story all the time is um when we were in comet mm-hmm. uh and they installed subwoofers in the seats yeah 
because they wanted you to feel it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm like, that's that is a stroke of genius because you are really going that extra mile. Yeah. To cr- to use sound. Yeah. To illustrate an idea and that is that is what musically like that's what it is is we're using sound we're using right. these you know sonic yeah. things to create an idea yeah and, and it's that's just, what he's doing and he's so clever at being able to think outside like you don't need you know uh reads one reads two percussion one percussion two like yeah you're you are not limited by the chairs in the pit to yeah. the sounds you can make you're not limited to buy, to uh you know the traditional sounds we think come out of human mouths to what you can let people hear um, yep. and it gets what's so cool about it in 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 preludes is it gets folded in on itself because dave malloy's music is always in conversation with rachmaninoff's music um yep. and to you know what is what is so clever and welcoming about it is you don't need to be a rachmaninoff scholar i don't think to get that conversation to hear it bounce back and forth between, you know, turn of the century Russian compositions and Dave's super loop, uh, uh, elect electro funk pop, yeah, that he pulls in. Um, yeah, of course you don't. Like, and it's, it's it's tricky because like Rachmaninoff is his music is so popular. Like you right. know a lot of his themes and you'll recognize. Even if you think you've never listened to a single Rachmaninoff song, you'll recognize a lot of the music in this show. Right. Um, that's written by and um it's one of those things I know that some of my friends are obsessed with Rachmaninoff. Yeah. Um, who when I introduced this show to them, yeah, it was as if I gave them the biggest gift ever. Sure. Because they're musical theater people right. who are obsessed with Rachmaninoff. Right. And this is the ultimate intersection of that. Um and it's so fun for them to yeah. be like there's you know this random right. period op 23 like get there's so many of these little nuggets interlaced through the whole thing oh yeah and seeing how they're then used in a musical theater context yeah it's fascinating but if you don't know squat you're fine you can still appreciate it yeah it lets you into that world it makes you want to go and like it's even it it gets lampshaded and metacognitized in the play and we're skipping mm-hmm. around but the fact that the master comes back in at the end and talks about you know the record that his mother had or whatever um and he always list, used to listen to Rachmaninoff and it's totally um uh Vincent van Gogh traveling forward in time coming to the museum to see his painting with Bill Nye that's um, it from Doctor Who like it is that you know what will I be remembered by thing yeah. um it's it's a clever show um i liked it i Mm -hmm. don't know how much i'm gonna keep listening to it honestly yeah that's fair um that's fair which is a shame um and i i hate that about it um like i find comet more listenable and not that a musical needs to be listenable right Uh um you know that's this is not its final form you go see it and that's how you experience it but yeah the the hobbyist in me likes re-listening to stuff um Mm -hmm. and like i can still wrap my mind around re-listening to something like sweeney todd right Um, yeah which is still pretty uh 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 uh, what's the word acerbic i use that right on the ears Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. this one's a little too much um i find which makes me sad Mm -hmm. because i like it yeah i i don't know it's it's weird it's just it's it's 
one of my most listened to music is cash recordings. Really fascinating. <laughs> yeah, um, but I don't listen to all of the songs. Sure. Uh, I listen to what are, in my opinion, like the highlights. Right. Um, so I like I will always skip over Ho Ho, and I will always skip over Tchaikovsky's yeah. Child Song. Right. Um, so even, I can get into the meat. But even of like um, you know the the prelude is a great song, yeah. and is i the i like twisted my neck the other day um while i was listening to this just out of and it like hurt a bunch um, uh-huh. and i was like lying on the floor trying to get it to be back in shape and the prelude came on and it got halfway through and i was like i have to hit pause on this i can't yeah exactly this is far too tense i have <laughs> i have too much going <laughs> so on in my life and this is not gonna help my brain relax yeah um which which shows it's a great song like it's having not just an emotional but like a, a physio-psychological effect um, yeah just the process of listening to it um, so that i think is is some real good brilliance there because that is the partnership between dave malloy and rachmaninoff because yeah. all the music is is prelude and c-sharp minor right it's a good performance of prelude and c-sharp minor that's all it is there is no manipulation to that number yeah. whatsoever the only other thing that you have is a monologue right um and it's really good it's really good it's really really good because it builds yep in time with the music yep well and and like the whole the whole thing folds in on itself because Rachmaninoff talks about how he wanted something that was big and epic and had this emotional impact like it's it's a I am so delighted and curious and wish I could, you know, pick apart Dave Malloy's mind to find the moment where he was like, haha, this shall be a musical, you know, like what was the spark that turned that? Like, I think of all of his many talents, that is one of his cleverests is to be able to find the art in, in such a particular way. But I think, and again, get, again, get a t-shirt, uh, We'll talk about it later, <laughs> but the Dave Malloy in this show, yeah, you know, I mean, a lot of the time you think, oh yeah, I see Dave Malloy and Pierre, right? Here we are, I think, seeing Dave Malloy, yeah. Do you know what I mean yeah. in a big, big way? Yeah. Well, um, and fascinating that, like, far as I know, it's one of his few roles that he has never played. Yeah, true. That's true. He's not. He's not appeared in this yeah. production of this. Which, video, and yeah. I absolutely agree with you. Um, but you know, it's fascinating that that yeah, he would take himself out of that. Yeah, maybe there is a maybe that maybe it is too personal. Perhaps I I I would not I would neither fault him nor be surprised. No, not at all. Yeah, he wasn't in Beardo. That's true. Was There's any, that too. Was anyone in Beardo? Um, I think I was in Beardo. I think. We all are in Beardo. Right? <laughs> We're all in Beardo. <laughs> <laughs> we are all Beardo. So true. I had a beer the other day called Beardo. That's fun. Did I took a hair? picture of it and sent it to Dave Malloy. <laughs> Did it have hair in it? No, there was no hair. It was good though. It was really tasty. So Jimmy, all of that said, if someone wants to listen to preludes, I don't know, the right way. Yeah. How do you do that? I would invest in the libretto. Yeah. Um, you, can buy unless it on, you're, you can buy it on Dave's yeah, site. It's cheap. Go get it. Um, really, really nice libretto. So, you know, I mean, if it yeah. was a physical thing, I would have it on my shelf behind Absolutely. me. Absolutely. Um, the, yeah, but 
I think it's tricky because I didn't, I didn't listen. You know, the first time I listened to it, I didn't have the libretto. Right. Um, but at that time, I was in a Dave Malloy's "The Greatest Thing That's Ever Happened to This Earth" sure bubble. Yeah. Um, and so it was so refreshing but still musical theater that was like oh my god this is so good so i didn't need that but i think if you aren't a dave malloy stan yeah um pick up the libretto as well because it will shape it for you absolutely and and there's there is pure poetry in this libretto that does not make it into yeah the the recording yeah. Um, some of my favorite parts are the libretto. I, I find really it bits. a shame. Genius lists uh, payment as the final track on the cast recording, but all the uh, versions I found, I, you can't listen to that anywhere. No. Um, which, but I don't think they're sung. No, I don't think they are. Do you know are. what I mean? I right. just think they're underscored. And it would be interesting to know, are they underscored in the same way right. as preludes? Um who knows? I don't have the score, so I can't tell. Yeah. Um, but it is interesting but... to consider like a, 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 a piece of musical theater about music not ending with a song. Exactly. It's a wild choice. Totally. Totally. Um, well, here, it's non-traditional. Uh-huh. Let's talk about that. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Because, yeah, one of the things, right, that that got me thinking about when we decided to do this for the show. Yeah. Was um, reading the reviews. Yeah. And people being like, it's not ready yet. Hmm. Interesting. And I was like... What do you mean by that? Right. Right? I know what they mean by that. What they mean is it's not ready for Broadway. Right. Right. Okay. Um, fair. Yeah. I would agree. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it'd do well on Broadway. But why does that mean you have to give it a bad review? Yeah. As if that's you know? the end all. I mean, fuck, like, fuck critics, but also right. what has created this... You know. But not even just critics. A lot of pe- just people talking about the show say it's not ready. Yeah, it needs this. It needs this. 
from what? Well, and it is such a. I the the more we do this podcast, the more I think we become a meta analysis on art criticism. Um, uh-huh. But it does start to beg the question: like, what is the point of what? It, and and you know, I'm shooting myself in the foot by asking this question. Uh, what is the point of expressing your opinion about art? Oh shit! We have to shut down the podcast. I know, right? Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I bet that's because it's art, right? And you're supposed to, but like, there. What is the border between expressing your opinion? How can I phrase this? The border between expressing your opinion about the art in its own art form and mm-hmm. expressing your opinion about the emotional impact the art has had upon you. Right. Okay. I see right? what you mean. Because so, like, commenting on it is it's commenting on what it should be right as opposed to what it is right like a a, a statement like it's not ready is is uh uh you know seeped in the mechanics of theater right right and the the you know 50 year long 60 year long right structure that we have artificially developed that doesn't mean anything yeah but it is you know like not that I'm terribly seeped in the world of, say, you know, paint, like, visual art criti- criticism, right? right? Um, but it's almost like, it feels like saying, like, I don't like that frame around a traditional Impressionist painting or something. Right, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And, like, it maybe once in a rare moment you might think that, but who cares? It's not even yeah. the point. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I again. I feel like we have the same conversation over it because I feel like we have again talked about fair. this before. Yeah. But um, it, the idea of uh, this level of kind of musical theater criticism, right? I think is because we it's still such a new art form. Yeah, sure. Really, you know, what I mean, in the grand, you know, if we look at art epochs right like musical theater is it's one bar- of the newest barely a hundred years old maybe right oh god like not even like 70 not even yeah yeah like um <clears throat> so in that respect that's i think why you don't why the critique is so narrow and so myopic because we've not had time to have like the modern art I, I don't know anything about art, but modern art's a thing, right? Sure, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, like you're, contemporary you're right art, where like we ha- we right? don't we don't have we haven't subdivided. We ha- I mean, we have you and me have, but yes. there aren't big overarching uh, uh, f- phases of musical theater in the way that there right. are in visual art. You know, right. we move from exactly. impressionism to realism to cubism and dadaism to you know contemporary yeah. to post-contemp blah 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 yeah like we talk about contemporary musical theater right. but we still compare it to sondheim and we still compare it right. to people who were working in the 70s and i'm like yeah. so it's not contemporary it's not contemporary and we same. don't even it's just a like, continuation we even group in you know contemporary musical theater contains both dave malloy and jason robert brown Right, exactly. Are so wildly different. Nineteen ninety two um, and twenty fourteen, yeah. like. And this is, you know, we uh, you said we have the same conversation over again. And it's <laughs> stuck in my brain, but like because it is such a a, a, a small club, um, at least the people that make it, right? Yeah, it is so defined closely to the people who do it that it's hard to even draw comparisons. 
Right. Um, you know, how much is there a Disney sound and how much is there a Stephen Schwartz sound, I think is the thing right. I said out loud a couple podcasts ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, but to then see the, the critical institution, whether that comes through a, a tried-and-true, you know, paper critic or Joe Blow leaving their Broadway.com review, but also thinking through that same lens... yeah is a sign that we don't know how to deal with this yet. And I think Comet fell victim to this too. hundred um, percent. You know, which is why it was kind of on shaky ground all the way through its existence. Yeah. Um, was that people didn't know quite how to respond to it. Do you think it's like, we have, critics don't talk about how a show makes them feel. Do we not talk about how shows make us feel? Well, yeah, that's it, is they can't because, you know, they have to be faceless. They have to be representing every single person. So if they say, I felt this kind of way, yeah. then, then, you know, not an what if I don't feel right. that way? Blah, you know, blah, blah, instead, blah, they blah. have to say so-and-so's performance was inspired and blah, 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 blah. Right, and exactly. Like, can't say some of the stuff we say, like, you know, this song made me cry. This song yeah, exactly. makes me happy or gave, you know, <laughs> gave me a migraine. Um, yeah. Huh. And is that criticism? As I'd said, more and more, this becomes a meta-commentary on criticism the more we do this. Well, that's it, because, you know, because people probably could argue and would say that what we do is just criticise musicals all the time. Right. What, what, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day what we right. do. We're just right. talking. Right. Um, and the topic is musical. <laughs> like, right. that's all exactly. it is. Um, yeah. And that's fine. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I just think it's... It, it's a it's a it's a really tricky thing in like reading because there's not a lot written about preludes yeah no. right anywhere um so the stuff that is out there uh is either dave malloy stanny right or um people who went to see it and didn't really like it right and therefore yeah just kind of poo-poo it and it's a shame because yeah. Any of those kind of poo-pooey comments right. are just talking about it as if it is going to be the next big thing. Right, right. And I, it's not. It's a shame. It's not fair because yeah. it, it's a it's a Brooklyn style play. Like yeah. that's that I is s- kind of just what it is. Like it is artsy fartsy, and yeah. it is yeah. a bit pretentious. Oh God, absolutely. Yeah. But that's also great. Like that's yeah. fine. I so I I struggle with this because I I hear my inner self arguing with myself. Like on the one hand, I think like don't you can never tell people how to appreciate art, um, right? And everyone should be able to go in. And I also always want to tell like I teach kids, you know, there is no right way to appreciate art. And how do you right. look at a painting? You look at it, right? And, uh-huh. and and that's it. And anyone tells you that there's something more is lying. Yeah. Um, and on the other hand, we talk all the time about like shows have to let you in, have to be at least accessible to a point, you know, lest you end up with some bizarre Brechtian impenetrable wall of a nothingness that yeah. like then you're just jerking off on stage and, you know, inviting other people. Did you see Spring Awakening? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Like it's. But it's, I just think people could have more of an open mind. Right. <laughs> like, I just, you, you know, it's, 
it, it happens all the time with musical theater yeah where it's it's so compared and i mean oh god we're big hypocrites because we do it all the time yeah. but it, i just feel for something like this right yeah. which is small yeah. it is chamber yeah. it is not meant to be anything it's not full stop um and it's a shame everyone is trying to do that. And right. I think, so this is what I was talking about earlier. Um, the fact that it's Malloy, Chavkin, mm-hmm. Matthias, Paloma, yeah. uh, Mimi Lee in his back. Yep. Every, everyone is here. Right. It's Smash Brothers Ultimate, the musical. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so people are like, great, it's going to be a great comet. Right, and it's not, and it is. Of course, it's not. Like, right. <laughs> of course, it's not. It's a completely different thing. Yeah. It's nine million times smaller than Great Comet. Right. It is much more cerebral than Great Comet. There's yeah. no story. Right. Um, and even people, you know, compare it to to Ghost Quartet. Right. And say like, you know, Ghost Quartet was wacky, and this is nonsense. Right. And it's like, it's just, it's just different different. to be accepting of the different and to like i don't know and we you know talk about being hypocrites but like to separate the art from the artist not even in the way that people use that phrase but just to say like letting the art stand on its own you know and not knowing who wrote it and just accept it for what it is but like i opened with my boyfriend was able to tell right away that this was dave Dave malloy yeah yeah so i you know it's such a it, it this these sort of conversations really send me for a loop, and of mm. course there's no answer, right? Of course this is right. the answer is the conversation, um, but you know at the very least I agree. I do wish we could get out of the you know it's not ready is such a stupid sentence, right? Not ready for what? And it's such a shame, right? So we we obviously for last call we just spoke a lot about Ratatouille, yeah, um, and it's important to think about the next generation yeah like in all of these burgeoning up-and-coming writers yeah who what you know one of these a lot of them are probably listening to malloy and really loving it because you know That's the nerds out there yeah love a bit of malloy yeah um and for them to then just read like this is too experimental this is that they're gonna read that and be like oh i have to then stay more within the lines if i want to be successful right when it is such a fair it's such a bullshitty thing too because the same school of people that say stuff like this is too experimental are also the same kind of people who will uh you know (laughs) uh uh, tout about the classics and the proper shit right right and like well what do you want exactly yeah (sighs) drives me nuts yeah critical they want to be the first one to love something right and say that is their thing yeah it is i mean the the this whole thing folds in upon itself but uh i think it's it's rock is talking to uh his hypnotherapist about is it beethoven for four hands or whatever it is that he plays with his fiance yeah uh-huh. um and how it is it's just for them and it's just about intimacy and it's not for the performance um yep. and that art can just kind of exist for that too um and and part of this is that as well right and like acknowledging that and understanding that and like being grateful that artists like dave malloy are willing to let you into that bit 
but also that is assuming an uh, 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 like a brain space that is unfair to assume, right? We're guilty of it, saying like, "Oh yeah, it's Dave Malloy up there." Obviously, like maybe not. We don't know that. True. We assume that. I don't know. It's a it's a good one to think about if you like art. <laughs> totally, to- and it, there is lots of discussions to be had. Um, it it sounds to me like you were talking a little bit about themes there, Tommy. Well, let me tell you more about it. Once it's going to be the only transition from now on. Once you hop on my segue, it's we have to. <laughs> I think it is. It's now become, like, forever. Elf was four for four. Really? Yeah. Oh no. Remember we made the noise. I do remember the noise now. At what point do you become a parody of yourself? I don't know. I'm a bit worried about it. Yeah. I'll ask my doctor. Anyway, hop on. You are in a hole and so I jump into the hole. But I can't get you out. You are in a hole and so I jump into the hole. Let's get heavy. Yeah, as if we haven't already. Yeah, I know. Um, so uh, there's not. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to articulate. Uh, there's not enough art that talks about artists. I agree. And oh, okay, no, I'll, I'll roll that back. Sure. There's not enough musical theater art that talks about artists. Yeah, I well, here's here's my caveat. There's plenty of musical theater that's about uh, burgeoning artists moving to New York and really struggling with it, and it's all really shitty, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> because it's people's first stuff. Um, right. There's not enough musical theater that talks about artists the way this does. That just talks about the reality. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That talks about the the things that you feel yeah. when you are an artist. Yeah. Um, the things that unify us all. Yeah. Not that I'm going to get my big break because I'm going to New York and look, I got it. Right. That's unrealistic. Right. Yes. 
Yeah. Do you know what's not unrealistic? Creative depression and writer's block. Oh yeah. Like hugely so. It, you know, we are moderate creators. Right. Right. How many times have we been in pits? Yeah. Like pits of despair. Devastating, terrible you know over whatever your own art is of the moment um and like feeling totally inescapable and also with i think pretty clear vision that you are stuck in the pit which is one of the worst things about it sometimes right is you know that you're there and it it is you can see it You, you can see the way out yeah it is totally like you wish you could just snap the fuck out of it right absolutely ah it's why that song is so good yeah because it's so true like that is a song that any artist could sing to themselves right yeah i've just been like just do it yeah just do it it's so easy right just do it yeah but you can't yeah well and that's the whole delight of this whole thing is that like ostensibly we are watching the hypnotherapist whose name i can never remember doll doll um walk rachmaninoff through getting out of that hole and like that is yeah. what we are witnessing um yeah. culminating in in doll's monologue at the end about uh you know climbing kilimanjaro and you know a child can take a step and you remember all the steps you took to got here to get here um yeah. you know metaphor not lost please and thank you um yeah. and that's the point right yeah. and then rachmaninoff goes on to compose some of his best work afterwards like it it, it works all through this kind of cerebral contemplation of artist's block, writer's block, mm-hmm. you know, creative paralysis and things like that. Yeah. Um, it's it's inspiring to watch. I will say that. Um, I completely agree. Like, it's it's that thing of, like, when, when you're in the thick of it, right, the worst feeling is seeing everyone else succeed. Yes. Because you're like, I can't, I've lost it. Like, you get to that point, it's like, they're doing fine. Yeah. Why is it so easy for them? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because you only see the good, especially now in our age of social media, where you only see the good. Get curated. Yep. I, I will say, and I had this feeling a ton in college, in theater college, when everyone was working on something. Um, yeah. And I found one of the most poisonous and toxic brain spaces I would end up in is like, watching a production I wasn't a part of that I was aware was having what I had deemed a bad process for whatever reason right. and watching it succeed and, yeah. you know, do well, whatever that meant. Um, yeah. and being like, ah, but they did it wrong. Right. Exactly. So, and you want to tell everyone, and you, you want to say, everyone. you don't know their shit. Right. I'm not shit. I'm great. Right. Exactly. Like, yeah. Um, and like to, to, it is, it has taken a long time and I still struggle with it, but to have yeah. the, uh, 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 kindness and empathy of remembering that like every artist is on their own journey. Um, and you don't know the half of it. Right. Um, is, is good medicine for anyone who works in the creative field. Um, totally. and you watch, you watch Rachmaninoff go through that, you know, his kind of like <laughs> ghosts of art, present, past and future <laughs> that he encounters through yeah. Chekhov, Tchaikovsky and, uh, uh, Tolstoy. Um, yeah. you know, you, you watch him kind of run into these comparisons with artistic idols. Um, and, absolutely. And how and, they, and, 
kings of their field oh like, yeah the kings of their field and like um, to hear i think it's Chekhov who says at the very beginning uh you know stuff along the lines of like oh, it sounds like you don't have it that bad um i think i wrote it yeah down. He, uh, Chekhov. yeah he talks about yeah. like people are in war like people lose limbs right you're a composer yeah get over it um right you know i also sidebar but the delight of i assume Chekhov spends most of the show holding a gun um yes is very funny. It's very funny to me. Absolutely. It's Chekhov's gun. And then gun. He, he, he shoots it. He shoots it. He sh- and, and, and the whole joke is like he... Hold on. I want to find it in the libretto for the sake of people yeah. who haven't read. Um, uh, Chekhov is like ending his advice session with Rachmaninoff. Um, and he says to, to Rock, it sometimes seems like... Uh, he's talking about Rachmaninoff's music. Um, he says, if I had one bad thing to say about your music, it sometimes seems more like you are trying to dazzle than to say something profound. I used to be an awful show off, filling the page with spectacular phrases. Now I'm happy when I put three words together just so. Virtuosity has its place. But if you want to be truly great, he raises his gun in the air. Long silence. Use more silence. He shoots, hits a target. It's so good. It's such a funny like meta joke. Right. Because he's Chekhov. <laughs> Great. He's Chekhov and he has a gun. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's great. It's smart. It's smart. It's smart and it's clever smart. And, and still whimsical, which I think like yeah. goes against some of the thought we were arguing against at the at the beginning of this tirade. I think it's a really funny script. Yeah. Like, I think, it's, I think there's lots of really funny moments and I don't think they're wanky funny. I think they're just they're funny. They're just funny. Anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that that theme running through the show where, you know, Rach goes and visits all of these people he looks up to mm-hmm. and each of them in turn either tell him nothing or tell him that it's easy. Right. Um, and he, he's not able to get what he wants from there. He's not able to get the answer. He's not able to get yeah. the thing until he just does the work himself yeah. and and that's it ladies and gents like that is it you're not going to read self-help books right and find the answer yeah until you sit down <laughs> with yourself you know what i mean the artist way is a wonderful book but sorry you need to do the work oh yeah like, well and it is you know as much as we've hit these writer's blocks things all the time the way rachmaninoff describes how he approaches his art in this feels like mm-hmm. some of the most honest description of art making I've ever heard. Like totally. it, whenever he talks about it, he's like, yeah, and then I just did it. And then I just wrote it. And then it, exactly. and then it happened. And not in this like um, fantastical, like, yes. And then a spark of inspiration hit me and it flowed right. through my fingertips. Nor is it like, yeah. And then I spent hours in different drafts and I wake up every morning and I make sure I write for six hours. Like, no, yeah. he's somewhere in the middle and just hit on it. And no other artist can tell him what his process is going to be. Yeah. It's just not. And helpful. in the same way, he can't articulate his process either. Dal right. asked him repeatedly, how do you do it? And he just doesn't. He doesn't know. No. Yeah. Like, and what do you want to write? I don't know. Like, it's so honest. Yeah. <laughs> it's so like, I'm not a composer, but I, I write. Right. And it, you Sometimes you'll get an idea and you'll be like, hang on, this is the best idea I've ever had. This came from nowhere. Yeah. This thing I've been working on for six years. Yeah. 
is it 20 pages right like how 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 is this happening yeah, no and sometimes you'll like you'll brute force it out of your brain by staring at the blank page for five hours yeah and sometimes you, you thought one worked and it didn't and why well it's impossible to define which is what yeah. makes the artistic hole such a hard one to climb out of totally because you don't know how you got it's, there yeah it's just so oh, it's honest. good yeah like, i mean it does you know it does that dave malloy thing where i'm sure we talked about it in comet where like if you listen to the ending song on its own it's great but it is so much better if you took the entire journey to get there yeah and there are moments in the show where like if you've gotten there in order with everyone there it hits on this like perfect mellow tone of the harmony yeah hey speaking of harmony very good very good it's not even a segue but uh let's let's talk about sunday yeah i mean it's it was interesting because you know my journey with sunday um i know your journey with sunday i didn't i i don't know if i've come around as an artist or if this one hit me different but i got Mm -hmm. in the artist's brain faster in this one than i did in sunday i didn't have that initial negative reaction that i did with sunday yeah um this one i got right away and i don't know if it is indicative of like a mild artistic slump i feel like i'm in right now that let me into that Mm. more perhaps um or is it just because it's accessible yeah perhaps which is weird because nobody says it's successful. Right. Everyone says it's potential. But I think it is. Like, I, I, tell me how you can listen to the song, Natalia, yeah. and not get it if you've ever created any single thing or know someone who has created it. Do, I do think Sunday walked so that Preludes could run. Um, right, I, fair. I, I, I don't think in the artistic landscape that Sondheim and Lapine were working on Sunday in, could they have... They already were deemed wacky by like doing an act one and an act two that were so time dilated. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and still like taking some very art, like broad swath artistic choices there around time. Um, mm-hmm. It'd be impossible to do something. So scatterbrain and postmodern, you know, what was that? The seventies, eighties. Um, and, yeah. and have it at all be like, I, I, I would wager the artistic institution would never say yes to that. It wouldn't have made it on stage, which sucks. Mm. Um, but the what makes Preludes accessible is that it, it, it forgoes any sense of linearity for the sake of the story. Yeah. Um, in a way that Sunday was trying to do. To do. Yeah, I'll give you that. That's a really good point, actually. And I think, yeah, maybe Sunday would have benefited more from hopping about time because, a little bit because more in Act so, 2. Because so much like, of Sunday is amorphous in its time anyway, because we kind of blast yeah. in and out of this painting. But right. because it still needs to kind of have this frame around it of the linearity that we expect of musical theater, you know, yeah. it's one of the great unities. You can't get rid of rid of it. The unity of time. Um, right. So, and I think that hampered it. Yeah. In a way that it doesn't need to exist for preludes. Absolutely. And I think it just hit, it really hits on all the beats. Like I think Sunday talked a lot about creation and relationships yeah right yeah um preludes definitely has that absolutely but it also just talks about creation yeah and how that happens and what pisses you off when you're an artist because some of the lines that really resonate with me are um 
in Prelude when he says at the end, I don't even know how that happened. I was 19, yeah. you know? Yeah. And people say, oh, the Prelude, the Prelude. And it's like, it, that sh- like in my opinion, that shit. Yeah. And you're telling me you love that. Right. I, I then need to like go along with that and I don't believe in it. Yeah. Like that's damn relatable. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. That is, the, and, you know, how, tell me some of your videos that, oh, yeah. oh top God, 10 yeah. staircases. No, like, right there with you. Um, and like, I think that's the part that got me into preludes more than um, Sunday is it has a much more honest and diverse discussion of people's reaction to art. Yeah. In Sunday, it's either one side or the other, right? Or, or yeah. like they're all very extreme. Like, oh, your art is crap and underappreciated in its time. Or, yeah. you know, uh, putting it together. Like, we got to sell the art, sell, 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 so we can do the art. Do, do, do. Um, and it's, yeah. it makes it pretty one note. Whereas, like, both his discussion in the Preludes song, but also, I forget where it is, but he talks about, like, seeing some girl standing outside of his window just dancing to one of his songs um that is earlier i can't remember at what point but just one of his chats just one of his chats uh um and says he says something along the lines of like she understands it more than anyone else ever will Um, right like and he wishes that everyone could just be like just to take just to listen yeah exactly and sunday could never um yeah you know sunday focuses too much on the you know green purple yellow red waters um right for all that it's worth love it have turned my leaf over about it don't get me wrong yes he says this Um, isn't the this thing sunday podcast but preludes pushes it in a in a way that is like deeply personal and deeply inspiring like i'm i'm I, you know, as much as I said, I don't think I'll, I will, I think I will struggle re-listening to this. Preludes is a, is a, I know a ladder I will be able to pull into my next artistic hole. Um, right. Yes, exactly. Which is, that is your evanescence. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's going to help me bubble to the top. Um, right. The other one, um, the other line that I, I really, really love is in, um, in the first concerto. Is that concerto? The first? Sure. You know better the than The first me. symphony. Yeah. The first symphony. In the first symphony, um, when he's doing the um, uh, skill faces, blank faces, and the worst mm-hmm. blank faces. Yes. Um, uh, this one unwraps candy, this one checks her phone, and it takes her 10 minutes to take her call off. Like, that that whole thing. Like, and that frustration. Oh, yeah. And that, that exclamation of you're shitting on diamonds. Like, yep. I have worked so hard at this and you don't care. You yep. don't see it. Oh, yeah. And that frustration is everything. And that frustration can kick you into a funk. That... Because you're like, what the f- am I doing it for then? The whole, like, as someone who often sits in the back of the theater and watches high schoolers crossing my finger that they're, I hope they're going to do it right. Um, yeah the idea of like going and sitting out in the stairs in the lobby and you know like that kind of back of the theater pace and how all of that is is deeply visceral (laughs) yeah it's so like you get it you get why Rachmaninoff went into a three years month because it's it's so frustrating yeah and I don't know I just the lens that Dave Molloy puts it through, I don't know, maybe because it is a contemporary lens and he just forgoes any sort of naturalism. Sure. Um, but it, it's 
so relatable. It's so relatable. One even, and it's not hard to get. No, it's so like it's why people should buy the libretto too, because there's so many pieces they're missing. But yeah. the the one that does it for me. So the the B plot of the whole show is that uh, Rock is trying to marry um, his uh, 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 fiance um natalia yes yeah, um, his first cousin yes and so they need to get permission from the czar because they're first cousins um yeah. it's less creepy than it sounds eh, right. right um but in talking with the czar he asks uh something like uh you know where do you find god you know marriage is a sacrament um and says to Rachmaninoff, i would think that you would find god in your music and rock says mm. there is god in music but it's not that's not it's so hard to find god in the concert halls it's so hard to find god in churches god is natalia and i sitting on a bench or one person smiling in a crowd or dancing to a prelude or plunking out wrong notes god is in the practice room god is in the kitchen god is in the bedroom fingertips and knuckles no one plays four hands beethoven symphonies for an audience it's just for the players god is in the very yeah. small and like man god is in the very small i'm not religious and if you ask me to get a tattoo today well you would probably get god is in the details said by stephen that's Sunday. probably true but, but it's the same thing it, yeah exactly and it's it's an aphorism it is is so true like it yeah. is it's yeah, it's it's important. It's it, that is it. Like yeah. that is the linchpin to the whole thing. Yeah. Um, it, it's what I love about the ending of the show that you oh, don't get you don't when get you out. don't listen, <laughs> because the whole way through, Rachmaninoff talks about how significance is important, and he wants to be remembered. Yeah. And the hypnotherapist keeps pushing him to articulate that right um and to work out what that means and you know is it legacy and what does legacy right mean do you need to be the best right does that mean legacy um and at the end he has this conversation with the master who is chris sarandon mm-hmm. um and who has been all of the other you know right. big people um and he says that uh he has this record that's like the the or in a magazine sorry that's like the 50 greatest composers of all time and beethoven's on there and x is on there blah, blah, blah. and rakash really really simply um, am i on it and he's like no uh but <laughs> he is loved and beloved yeah. by so many and that's it like that is your legacy is you're liked by the everyman right you are you are remembered through your work. Yeah. You don't need to be the best. You don't need to hit the big leagues and reach the top. Right. Because you can be the little engine that could. Yeah. And still do fantastically well because you're that special to someone. When it's such a good combination of like, you've heard artists say, I think we're all guilty of falling into this. Like, well, I, you know, this story is so important that it must be shared. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, and you know this message is of such great meaning that the the masses must experience it. Right. And often I think artists are bullshitting themselves when they're also not mentioning like, yeah, and I'd kind of like to be famous for it. Yeah. Yeah, and I'd kind of like to be known for it, even if that still isn't honest related to the message. Like this message is so good, and I want to be remembered as the person that brought it to the world. I right. think that ego and pride comes with any artistic endeavor, whether we 100%. shine a light on it or hide it 
It's your driving force. Right. It's your driving force, of course. And it's such this put such a good pin on it of like, yes, you are remembered for what you did and people like what you did and they like you because of it. And that is your legacy and it's both in the same. Um yeah. is is cool, is neat. And what I love about everything in this beautiful harmony is that um preludes is shot down by so many yeah and yet it's still loved by a lot of people you know what i mean yeah like it's still loved and it still has such a important place right is like, it is it on the... within preludes within this tiny thing that a lot of people don't like yeah is one of my all-time favorite musical theater songs yeah it's you and now hear this yeah yeah right exactly it's it it's so special. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's you know nine people. It doesn't matter, thing, and it, that's what makes right. it. And what makes Prelude so delightful in that, I would what I think makes a lot of the shows that we really gravitate to with this kind of theme in it so delightful is that because they discuss that theme in themselves, you know that they know, and there's something very comforting about that. Yeah to know that these shows know that they're not the big blockbuster, that they're not the, the most popular, you know, every man sort of thing. Yeah. And that they're, they're cool with that because they are, you know, uh, diatribes about art. Yeah. Let the show be the rice crispy treat. <laughs> to him and sang of silence and I sang to him of nothing at all Tommy, that was preludes. That was. Preludes or preludes. Now we go on to the rest of the composition, right? Isn't that how it works? Yes, I think so. <laughs> oh, dear. That's as, as I slowly bathe in my artistic existential crisis. Uh... <laughs> exactly. I know. That's uh, one thing I'll give it. It certainly 
won't make you feel worse. That's true. It won't make you feel worse. What a review. We're good at these reviews. <laughs> Elf, it's fine. <laughs> Brilliant. It won't make you feel worse. The, remember, What's next? Remember seven years ago when they put that um, uh, monolith in the middle of the desert in America? Yeah, approximately seven years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah. big silver thing. Um, there was a, a headline that said, uh, you know, forest rangers find a giant monolith in the middle of the desert. Experts agree. It's probably just art. And someone posted and said, talk about a bad review. <laughs> I love that. It's probably art. Oh, man. Students. Hey, I got a quiz question Students. for you. You ready? I'm buzzing. All right. The film version of this musical very nearly turned into a Mary Poppins reunion. Serendipitously, fate pulled both Julie Andrews and Dick Van Dyke out of the running for their respective roles. What show? Who knows? Hey, if you want to get in touch with us and let us know, um, you can. Our show Twitter and Instagram is at Jim and Tomic. That is J-I-M-A-N-D-T-O-M-I-C. Or if you want to go long form, please drop us an email on our website, jimandtomic.com. And we have merch. You can find it on our website. Also, we've got a Discord now. There'll be links in the show notes. The inv- invite usually lasts a day. So go click it now. Um, hurry! Hurry, hurry, hurry. Don't worry if you miss it. There'll be more to come. There will indeed. We're having fun over there though, right? I love the Discord. Hi, everyone. Yes. I feel youthful. I know. I feel like I'm back in an AIM chat room right that is it's got that vibe and who doesn't want to be right back there it's tons of fun but instead of we've we've graduated jimmy instead of asl it's age pronoun location which i adore exactly (laughs) as it should be um and hey if you fancy uh supporting the podcast financially um you can check out our patreon if you would like which is on our website as well Uh, and on our patreon if you um donate five dollars minimum um you will get access to our video podcast um which we like to call last call um and tommy what did we talk about this week me the ratatouille. oh we, talked, we did indeed we talked a lot yeah so if you want to hear our, talked a lot our thoughts about me the ratatouille, go ahead over to our patreon and i promise you there's not that much singing the ride of all our dreams yes uh, we would like to give a big, big thank you once again to all of our patrons. Um, you are all exquisite. Delightful Every people. Every single one of you. M- yes. Um, Most of all, it always helps us out when you tell other people about our show. So anyone anyone, and everyone you can rally into listening to our weird musical theater podcast, please and thank you. And we adore you. And rally we the you. trips. Yes. And uh, hey, thanks for listening. Cheers. Cheers, Jimmy. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now 
and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. That song. I knew I smelled the rat. Oh, Linguini, we've got you now. We've got you now.